Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on this 28th of January, 2023. We're literally almost done with the month of the of this year, first month of this year. That's It's gone by amazingly fast. Um, personally, I hope that means that the next 12 months go by amazingly fast, because that means I get to retire out of my current, uh, my current career field, which, look, folks... I don't talk about it much. I'm just going to put this up there. I work in law enforcement. I don't talk about where. I don't talk about how, what I do because I don't want my agency to get smacked around for things that I say here. There's, it's, I think it's just wisdom. It is a hard time for law enforcement, and it has been for many years, especially today with the, the news of a a man who died at the hands of law enforcement officers, and there's it appears, based on what we've been told and what we've been shown, that those officers were way out of line, and they have lost their jobs, and they're facing prosecution, and we're going to leave that to the courts, and we're going to leave that in the hands of the Lord. But just as you, in your career field, or any other person, would not want your name be drugged through the mud for what somebody else did, Law enforcement officers around the country have to face that every day. And so I'm just going to simply ask you to be praying for your local law enforcement officers. And if, by the way, if you want to make some snarky comment to me about law enforcement or law enforcement in general or, what, or how terrible I am for working in that field, I'm just going to tell you don't even bother sending the email. I'll delete it. I'm not, I'm not going to bother. So that may offend some folks. I'm over that. Um, but don't do that. Okay. I, all I'm asking you to do is, is pray for the law enforcement you know, uh, ca- career field. Pray for the people in it. And uh, pray for the, what appears to be things that I have seen, concerns that I, I've had re- for a while now, ever since the defund the police movement came into, uh, into being. Changes that I believe those who have quietly started to put money back into it have tried to make... Changes that I don't believe are the be- in the best interest of protecting the communities within the United States. I believe they are more impacting and empowering to those who want to rule tyrannically. Things that I've seen that I can't get into at this point. Um, please, please, please pray. Please pray about that. Please pray what's going on in this nation and pray for those who have to take on the duty that nobody wants to do, but everybody thinks they're an expert at. Just pray pray for that. All right. So we're going to move on beyond that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for allowing me to say that. Uh, Poor Rich didn't even know I was going to say that. I didn't think I was going to say that until I did. But uh, (laughs) biting my tongue here, but... You keep going, and I'm going to let loose with a hammer, so <laughs> maybe I ought to move on. Yeah, I think we're going to. We're going to. Well, uh, I, I will say I will say this much. <laughs> Those people that we know within our Christian circles that are berating and down on police officers and trying to paint a stereotype that all police officers are corrupt, let me ask you a question. Are all pastors corrupt? Because we see certain individuals who we know are just out for the money and trying to pad the pews and buy another airplane, this, that, and the other. Do you get upset when 
the world tries to paint, well, all pastors are like this. Or perhaps you're a public school teacher, and people will say, well, all public school teachers are evil because they're promoting worldly ideologies. Are all public school teachers like that? Are there not some that are still truly Christian that care about children and educating? What about doctors after COVID and and the big pharma companies and, and all of those career fields are painted as, you know, the evil overlords trying to control and manipulate everyone. My point is, before you jump on the bad bandwagon and trying to say that all police officers are just out to have control and power and do whatever they want to, stop and think about your own little backyard. Um, how, how, would, how would you feel if, if the pastor that you love if the world says, well, all they're doing is trying to make money off of book sales. Just stop and think about that before you jump on this defund the cops, all police officers are bad. I've changed my mind, and, and I used to support police officers, but now because of this, I can't anymore. Just stop and think a little bit before you start using that worldly broad brush stroke and condemn every individual in a field that may have a representative small base of a few individuals, but remember whatever career field, they all pull from the same mm-hmm. sinful worldly things that we live in and, and sinful natures that people have. And some are Christian, some aren't Christian, some claim to be Christian, some could care less whether they're a Christian or not. So let's be careful about using that broad bro stroke and that copy and paste and cookie cutter mentality that we so often accuse the world of doing when it comes to Christianity. Let's stop and think a minute before we do it to our brothers and sisters, regardless of their career field. Amen. Amen. So that is not tonight's show topic. We're going to move on beyond that, but thank you for allowing us to say that. Hey, by the way, just want to remind you, we are part of the Christian podcast community. Always want to recommend you go check that out. Also, I ask you to consider signing up as a follower of our website, slavetothekeng.com. That's where you're going to get uh, updates on show, new shows, uh, articles when they come out, which, by the way, we just did drop one this week. Uh, it's kind of a primer for this show, actually. So if you haven't read the article, and we'll put it in the show notes, it's called Such Were Some of You. I, I actually recommend stop this, read the article. It'll only take you a few minutes, and then start this program again. Uh, it's going to give you some so a little more depth of what we can only do. You know, we can only cover so much in an hour when we talk. So hopefully, this will give you a little bit broader understanding of what we're going after tonight. So uh, please sign up there. And again, if you want to support the program, you can do so. Uh, to some, and I forgot to mention this to you, brother. To those uh, who occasionally write in and say, "Hey, we want to do support for program, but we can't do like a." ongoing basis um but we'd like to maybe do a a gift or something like that do you have a way to do that we used to however we no longer have paypal because paypal threatens to steal money out of your bank account if you say something they don't like and they want to shut you down so we are still trying to figure out a way that people can do like a single donation basis I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I, I know a couple of you did write in, a uh, you know, wonderful couple who really listens to our show a lot. Thank you. You know who are. Uh, now that you know that I'm saying this, you know who you are. Uh, I just don't have uh, quite a way to do that yet. If I can figure it out, I'll, I'll get back to you and let you know. Um, I just, uh, PayPal would have been great, but PayPal is going the way of so many other leftists 
that I don't ever want to be in a position where your money gets taken from us because we say something like what we're going to say on the show tonight and it uh, the cancel crowd comes after us. So I don't want your money taken um, by evil leftists and I'm not sure how to get around that just yet. So we'll, get, we'll figure it out uh, if there's a way to do that. However, another way you can support the program always is to share what the content that we put out. And... We have had quite a bounce back uh, this th- during this last month. I mean, we, uh, uh, we we don't track numbers to go, ooh, look how we're doing, but we want to make sure that, the, like, we found out at one point that under a Christian podcast community, there was a hiccup and it wasn't loading to their stuff. And so we talked to them to try to figure out, okay, do we need to individually load it? Is there, oh, here's a mechanism to do it. And so that was part of it because we kind of keep tabs on are the shows being listened to. We have had a major bounce back from June was like our best month last year, and we're like almost equal with that this month. So you guys have done a wonderful job of sharing the content and getting that out there. Uh, we hope that the programs are being helpful to you. So that's one way you can, if you want to support the program, just help get the content out there because we only have so much platform. And Elon, look, quit monkeying with Twitter. I you, First, it was double notifications, and then it was seeing the same post six times, and now it's like, and now it's just blinking at me. What happened with Twitter for a second? That was weird. Um, and so, um, Elon keeps messing with stuff, which I understand, having read elsewhere, there's a lot of stuff they're trying to fix that got really tweaked hard under the previous owners. So, our our, our our reach has gone down because of that. And so the, that is the best way you can help us is to share the content. Um, and then also, you can also go through, uh, if you go to the slave to, um, slave to king.com website, there is the uh, the one way, another way you can support, which is go to doctrinealife.co, which is on the webpage, where you can get gear. There are stickers, there are shirts that you can get for the program. And once we, we hit a certain mark, we get a little bit back from that. Um, we haven't gotten quite there yet. So guys, buy some shirts. That's another way you can support. Um, but the, we're, this is, we're going to keep doing this, whether people do that or not. Um, we're, we're not asking that. We're not telling you to come, please put money in our pockets. That's not what we're asking for. Just trying to maybe give some, uh, some offerings, some suggestions to people who have asked. So th- those are some things that you can do. Pray for the program, pray for Rich and I, because like you, we all, we always have our own issues to work through, and we certainly crave those uh, th- those prayers uh, on our behalf, and especially our, our families have they have to put up with us. Uh, and then, if you could just share the content, sign up, and be a follower, uh, you know, and and again, I recommend put a review on whatever podcast app you use so that people can know that the program is something that is uh, beneficial to them. So those are all the ways that you can help. And uh, as we go into tonight. Uh, I just want you to know this is going to, it's not going to be salacious, but it's a mature topic because we are talking about sexuality and sexual immorality and what it means to be a Christian. So we're not going to get into any salacious topics. We're not going to get into any details, but it's one of those things that it's a, it's a mature topic because of what we're talking about. So if you got little ones that hear this, um, just think about, how, you know, do you do you want to listen to this first before you get into discussions with them? Uh, because those discussions are very important. We're going to get into that a lot in the coming years, more and more and more. And like we talked about in the previous one of the previous programs about the allegations of fake Christian, um, that's where 
a lot of this comes from is well if you're not supportive of this you're a fake christian so somewhat of a mature topic so we're again not getting into salacious details but just wanted you to be aware of that well so with all that preface in mind rich how you doing this week brother oh brother as always i'm better than i deserve um i would like to say i had the honor and privilege and blessing of being on a word fitly spoken with michelle and amy a couple of weeks ago and that episode dropped this past Wednesday, I think it was, yeah, I um, so. and you were going to put the link to that interview in the show notes. Um, I would encourage listeners to our listeners to listen to that one, not because I'm on it, but because of the topic and just because Amy and Michelle are such great sisters. And I had such a pleasure being on their show and discussing evangelism with the two of the, with the two of them and that's one of the topics I really love to discuss and especially the portion where we got into talking about overcoming fear in evangelism which if I had to focus on any one topic within evangelism that would be it because that is something I think all of us deal with I still deal with it and I think it's something that should be talked about and discussed more often Instead of just uh, swallow it and go ahead and do it, um, I tried to address some specifics when it comes to fear in evangelism. And I would just like to thank Amy and Michelle for granting me the opportunity to join them on their episode. Um, they have a lot of great episodes, most of which are geared towards women and different issues about women preaching and whatnot. But I'm sure our our regular listeners are probably already very familiar with those ladies, but I just wanted to thank them. But getting back to what I told you or how I replied and how I reply for the most part every week, unless there's one that I skipped at some point, which I can't think of in the last several years, but better than I deserve. And that's <laughs> kind of a transition into tonight's topic. As Christians truly saved in Christ, we are always better off than we deserve because what we deserve is God's eternal wrath. But sadly today, more and more well-known pastors and teachers are trying to tell the world, it's okay, God accepts you just like you are. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. That part is true, but the sad thing is they are telling people they think can come to Christ be a Christian, and remain in their sin. And strangely enough, it's always some form of sexual immorality that they can remain in and still be a Christian. I still find it a bit flabbergasted that we never hear any of them come out and say, okay, it's all right, you can be a porn-addicted Christian, you can be a lying Christian, you can be a thieving Christian, you can be a very jealous Christian, you can be you know, whatever adjective you want to put in front of it and still be a Christian. We, we don't hear about porn star Christians. We don't yeah. hear about, you know, uh, habitual lying Christians. But yet the term homosexual Christian is be trying, they're trying to normalize that term and trying to make it to where this is an accepted practice within the professing church in America. And it has grown more and more and more. And sadly, I think in the next five years, where the hot topic in the SBC for the last 20 years has been whether can women be pastors, whether it be the SBC or the professing American church as a whole, the, the discussion about being a homosexual Christian is going to become more prevalent, and we're going to hear more and more and more 
people making this claim. And I think that depending on the individual, there are many, many different motivations behind it. But as tonight's discussion goes, it's about Andy Stanley and things that have come out in the last couple of weeks and things that he said. Um, I would like to address one thing, and I'm going to try to do this carefully <clears throat> because I've seen it quite often, especially the last two or three days. I've seen more and more people commenting that they expect Andy Stanley to come out of the closet within the next three years, five years, or different time frames. And I've seen some people come out and claim that he's already a homosexual. First, we cannot make assumptions about what sin people are engaging in. We can only gauge the fruit, and sometimes we can only gauge the fruit that's coming out of their mouth. Now, we know that Andy Stanley has been slowly confirming homosexuality in various ways. But one thing we can know is that based on patterns from other individuals over the years who started at point A and are now, say, at point Z or point M, meaning that they slowly started that decline, that digression from being standing solid on biblical truth to where they started kind of slowly sliding down to where, well, they can, they can be tempted as long as they don't act on that temptation or as long as they don't act on that desire. And we've seen different individuals start like that and eventually end up to where, okay, you can be a practicing homosexual and still be a Christian. We've seen that pattern from individuals for years. Um, one individual that comes to mind is Beth Moore, who, you know, at some point, I think it was the last couple of years, came out completely affirming a family member because of their sexual orientation. When it comes to Andy Stanley, we can't know for sure his motivations, whether perhaps either he is experiencing it or someone in his family is experiencing it, or if he's just flat out pandering, trying to make more money or grow his quote-unquote church. We don't know. All we can say for certain is that he is following a pattern that we have seen before, and the logical conclusion is going to end up being these results. Yeah. Now, based on what he has said, based on things that have people have recorded that have came out of his mouth, based on one-on-one -on -one observations and discussions with Andy Stanley, it is obviously clear that he is supporting homosexuality in some form or fashion to the point to where he is trying to normalize it within his quote-unquote church. But people take exception to this, and, and we've seen a lot of pushback, and people make comments trying to make excuses for what he has said and what he is teaching. But the standard is not our, our opinion. The standard is not actually not necessarily what he is saying. The standard is the Word of God. And whether it's me or Chris or John MacArthur or Andy Stanley, the standard that we compare everything to is the Word of God. And when we're discussing these topics and issues with other people, we need to point back and say, it's not my opinion that what he's saying is wrong. This is the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible declares. Our opinion doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is the Word of God. And if he's a professing Christian, why is he not believing and trusting in the Word of God himself? Amen. That should be the question we should be posing and asking not only ourselves, but asking others who try to defend individuals such as Andy Stanley. So with that set up there, brother, go ahead and take us and, and get in a little bit deeper 
tempered what we've witnessed over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, in fact, uh, th- this particular issue is it's this came out about five days ago. It was um, a good friend of ours, Adam Page. Uh, he has uh, the We We Bear Witness pod- podcast. Uh, he's also, uh, I believe, a pastor at um, da, 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 I'm forgetting where Amelia Baptist Church. Um, good good friend of ours. Grateful for him. He had shared a video of Andy Stanley, which comes from this, uh, the Drive Conference. And uh, Drive Conference is kind of like the seeker-friendly megachurch version of, of Shepherd's Conference, uh, with, be, with the emphasis being the opposite of uh, be, you know, actually being concerned about the faithful proclamation of the Word of God. So it's basically uh, a tickle-your-ears type of conference. And so the interesting thing is, is that when Adam shared this, trying and going to find the, the original video, I mean, it's gone. And or you can't find it, and I'll, I'll explain part of the reason for that why in a little bit. Adam had had access to about an eleven-minute segment out of what Andy Stanley had done during one of his sermons at the Jive Conference in 2022, and he shared a two-minute segment, which we're going to play for you here, and it's concerning. And then we'll get into why it's concerning and why this shows along with other information that uh, Andy Stanley is essentially become publicly affirming that there's a the, uh, that homosexuality is not a sin that you can be a Christian and be gay etc so want to play this first I'm going to touch on a few of the points that he he says in this video and then we're going to expand into the context and then go into uh, why these this is an issue because understand that our desire is not to beat up on Andy Stanley in fact, Kind of like our, our good friend Chris Huff, who said on his podcast, we really didn't want the this year to start off as like an Andy Stanley bash, but so much has come out from him in the last several weeks that it's just become ne- necessary teaching points. And in fact, uh, I want to you know give a plug to uh, Chris Huff, who did a really great job on his uh, podcast, Matter of Theology, on the topic of affirmation or repentance. What is your message? I'm going to put that in show notes. Please go listen to it. Really did a great job. And as we get into the context of it, we're not going to play that whole 11-minute video, but another resource that I want to refer you to is Dr. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries on his dividing line uh, did take took a lot of the 11-minute video and went through a lot of the issues with that video. I'm going to put that, sh- uh, that in our show links as well. It's a YouTube video, but you can also go to aomin.org and if you're looking for the audio version go through their uh, sermon audio page and you can and you can find it that way but I want you to listen to both of those because you're going to get a much fuller explanation of the context and you're uh, and I want you to listen to Chris talk about this issue of aff- affirming sin, you know someone in their sin and saying oh no you're great versus preaching repentance to them and calling them to to Christ legitimately. Both of those are fantastic resources. Please listen to them. So as we do that, let's let's start with the two-minute video. And let me make sure I've got all my volume up where it needs to be. Uh, and then I will go through this. So let me start with that. Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm... A gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community? 
I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father, who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and Oops, sorry folks, try that again. 15, God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. Figure out. Okay, so let's go through that real quick. And sorry, my apologies. I bumped my mouse. It sent it flying across the screen and caused it to pause. So <laughs> um, so let, let's just touch a few points. I, I want you to think about having listened to that that two-minute clip. And there's a fuller 11-minute clip that, uh, like I said, if you go to James White's dividing line, you'll get to hear more of it. But one of the first things he says is that if we could get straight people to be as excited about serving as much as gay people in his church there would be a volunteer backlog. So that's, there's a fuller context to this and it has to deal with, um, if you watch the video uh, that Adam Page shared, uh, he put, it says on the screen that, you know, one the, in this third point of his sermon, that we have to recognize that gay people, not just straight people, have a sin problem. And what he's talking about is, hey, not that gay people have a sin problem because they're homosexual, but rather gay people, just like straight people, have a sin problem that you need to preach to those particular sins. And we'll get into that in a minute. So he 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 then goes into this little spiel in this two minutes where it's like, man, if we could get the straight people in our churches to be as excited about serving as the gay people who come into our churches, man, we'd have a huge backlog. And he goes on to say that gay people have more faith than himself and even more faith than most people in that room that he's speaking to. Faith that he essentially defines as being willing to try and come to church where they might be ostracized. Not faith in Christ who redeems us from sin, who works in us repentance, who calls us to, to you know away from dead works, into the works that he has prepared for us. Not that kind of faith. Faith that they could, they might be able to come to a church where they can out worship God as, as gay people. That's what he's talking about. Uh, and he says that the, the gay people who want to worship their heavenly Father. Now think about what he's saying. He's, he's quantified them as a people group. He's 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 accepted their identity in this statement. And that they want to worship God. 
can a unrepentant person want to worship God? We'll get into that. He says, even though this God didn't answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 or 13 years old, and God said no, what's he talking about? Typically, when you listen to people who say that they're gay and they're Christians, is that they prayed and prayed that God take that desire away from them, and he didn't do it. That's what I believe he's referring to, that they didn't, that God didn't take the gayness away. So therefore, they still want to worship him, even though they're, they're, that they're still homosexual. And then he says some things that really just, I got to be honest, it irks me. I know 1 Corinthians 6, I know Leviticus, I know Romans 1, and it's so interesting to talk about those things, but I know 1 Corinthians 6, I know Leviticus, I know Romans 1. Hold on a second. It is more important to use the example of someone who openly identifies as being sexually immoral, yet supposedly worships God and wants to serve. That's more important than talking about what the Bible says about sexual immorality. And then he says they still love God and that we have something to learn from those people who love Jesus so much and again dismisses Scripture, I know the clobber passages. You hear it in his voice. That tone, that dismissive tone. In that two-minute segment, and I can tell you having watched the 11-minute segment, there's nothing about the context that makes that sound any better. It doesn't get any better. In that message, he, you know, as I said, his entire point is that Look, there are gay people in your church just like you have straight people and they both have sin problems that you have to preach toward. And he is not saying anything about sexual immorality in that 11-minute segment. I'm assuring you, he does not. He never indicates that these are individuals who are repentant. He is referring to them as gay people. At one point, he's talking about, you know, I, I and he says, I know y'all guys oh, get this. You know, in our church, it's like, you know, they're like, hey, wait, I think they're gay. That's awesome. I love these people. I love our church. Not, you know what? There are people in our church that appear to be living in an unrepentant lifestyle. Let's come alongside them. Let's share the gospel. Let's disciple them and let the He doesn't say that. He's excited that there are gay people in the church. He never speaks of it in that 11-minute segment as an issue of repentant and that they are struggling through this, but rather that they are identified as that. Rich, this is very concerning, is it not? Well, absolutely, brother. Um, the first time I listened to a segment of that, I had to go back and listen to it again, because at first I almost got the assumption or got the impression that he was trying to say, we have rebellious, unrepentant people in our church who are more willing to serve and volunteer for the church than actual Christians. But that is not what he was saying. Nope. He was flat out affirming these people in a known lifestyle of sin that the Bible absolutely declares. And if he wants to call it, if you want, if the term is clobber passages, so be it. And the fact that the world and professing Christians know that these are clobber passages, meaning that they clobber you over your head, 
specifically defining a specific sin and laying out that this is a sin in the eyes of God. It is a sin against God. And to claim that you are part of the bride of Christ and you want to continue practicing this particular form of sin, basically they're trying to say that you can have a polyamorous relationship as a Christian, meaning you can be faithful and be a bride of Christ yet living in, sexual Im- in living in sexual immorality at the same time. That's a toned-down version of the definition of that word. Yeah. But in essence, that's what they're saying, that you can live in sexual immorality, practice sexual immorality, and the Bible defines lawlessness as sin, a practice of sinning, meaning that you're openly embracing it, you're not struggling against it, you're not fighting against it, you're not praying for the Lord to grant you strength against the temptation, to grant you strength against the desire for this particular sin. Mm-hmm. But you're living openly in this, embracing it, supporting it, and encouraging others to do so. Yeah, That is not what Andy Stanley is doing. He's saying, no, you can be a homosexual individual. You can be a woman married to a woman. You can be a man married to a man. You can be having these relations outside of the confines of the marriage bed and still be a professing Christian. That goes back to what I said earlier. Why do we never hear people saying, okay, it's fine. You can be a porn star Christian. Oh, you just made this movie that made a million bucks. Okay. Everybody in it was naked. Okay, that's fine. You're still a Christian. We never hear that discussion because it would be stupid. Mm -hmm. And in the context of this, why is this particular form of sin being normalized not only by Andy Stanley, but by the professing church today, especially in America? Yeah. The question, I mean, that is ultimately the question. Why is this being supported? Why is this being celebrated? Why is it being encouraged? It's because I still claim because it's more and more a sign that we're living in the age of a, of the Antichrist, meaning it's completely against Christ. When people claim to love God and claim to love their sin at the same time, what other evidence can there be? Because no other time in history of Christianity have people claimed to be a Christian while living in a particularly well-clobbered passage of the Bible living in that particular sin and claiming that they're still a Christian. No other time in history has that ever happened. I mean, there's been certain occurrences, but never have we seen, you know, this gay lesbian pastor or this homosexual man pastor or this homosexual church or this any sin-affirming church. We've never seen it in the history of Christianity. The Bible speaks of these times and speaks of what we're seeing now, you know, specifically Romans 1 um, and another verse in First in Peter, but no other time in history has it been this prevalent. Even during the times of Paul living amongst all the pagan gods and goddesses that were, you know, thriving in the, in the different cities that he preached at, um, I'm sure he dealt with it to a certain degree, but even then there was no church dedicated to the goddess Artemis and yet claim to still be Christian. It's nothing we've ever seen, but um, it's not a matter that Andy Stanley's trying to walk a tightrope and try to say, well, maybe sort of, kind of, no, he's flat out saying, you can be a homosexual and be a Christian at the same time, or am I wrong, Chris? No, I think you're absolutely right, and we're going to get give you a little bit more context to explain that. 
Number one, remember what I said that that in this particular sermon, he was giving his third point. He says that churches have to address that fact that gay people, not just straight people, have a sin problem. And he he goes on to emphasize in that 11-minute segment that if we don't do this, the younger generation, the current generation, will not listen to us. Now again, Andy is not saying that they have a sin problem in their sexuality. He is saying that they have to be preached to in the same manner as a straight couple would or a straight person would with their identity fixed and nobody focusing on the fact that they are in unrepentant sin. And now you preach about all the other sins that everybody else has equally. This is what he's addressing. So he is you know he is formulating this you know this ideology that a gay person and a straight person are the exact same thing. There's nothing different. Therefore, you don't talk to them about their sexuality and it's called that sin. You just talk and preach to them about their sin problems like everybody else has. And if we don't do this, this current generation will not listen to us. They've already figured it out. And he repeatedly says to people in the congregation or in this in this auditorium where this preaching is going on, you know, hey, if you're a gay person, you're here, hell, or, uh, excuse me, uh, be patient with us. We're just trying to figure this out. You've already got it figured out. We're trying to figure this out, is what he repeatedly says. He just says it over and over again. And then by the end of it, he actually congratulates that any, if you're a gay person in this, you know, here listening to us, I want to congratulate you on your faith. He is saying that a person who is in unrepentant sin has greater faith than himself and many other people listening to him. And he congratulates them on their superior level of faith, which he, okay. again, which he again equates with, you're willing to come into churches where you might be ostracized. Go ahead, brother. That's the point I was going to make. He, he states that because he's saying that for them, living in that particular state of sin that has, you know, all the different adjectives and names or, you know, whatever you want to call it, living in a, and practicing homosexuality and claiming to be gay, it, ta- it takes, there, it takes more faith and they have to be far more bolder than these quote unquote mm-hmm. straight people sitting in the congregation. It takes more faith for them to show up at church, knowing that people are going to be condemning them, looking down on them. Um, but the problem is, even if his motives are pure, I'm uh, just uh, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying yeah. hypothetical that his motives are pure, that he's trying to reach these people with the gospel. He's trying to proclaim the truths of Jesus Christ to these individuals. Even if his motives were absolutely pure in this, my question is I spent hours upon hours this week going through websites associated with Andy Stanley, the North point church, his, his, YouTube, um, two or three other websites. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have their names right now, but I went through them trying to find a gospel proclamation, even a very, very simple one, even one with the say this prayer type thing. I looked and looked and looked, and I still have not found a gospel presentation on any website associated with him. Now, I can tell you where to find his books and how to buy, buy this sermon, and how to purchase the transcript of this sermon. I, I can tell you and point you to where to purchase all these different types of things. But even in, in the titles, everything was 
how to, how to, how to, how to. Um, interesting side note, while I was investigating and, and digging into this, and I was trying to be unbiased, and actually I, I was looking, hoping to actually find something pertaining to a gospel proclamation. I never did. Now, there may be something buried in one of the audios or videos that I did not watch or listen to, but the first problem is whether it's Andy Stanley or a very, very solid, well-known pastor or ministry, the first problem is it should not take hours upon hours digging to find a gospel proclamation on a website. It was stated the other day that it was a discussion about you can learn about learn a lot about a church or ministry statement of faith. No, you can learn far more about their gospel proclamation because when it comes to a statement of faith, most of those are cut and paste anyway. If you really truly want to know where someone stands when it comes to theology, find their gospel presentation, their gospel proclamation, and read it because that will will reveal far more than anything else. I've seen hundreds of quote-unquote bad churches or bad ministries with a statement of faith that read just basically like something that you would expect from a Grace to You or, or Grace Community Church. They would not have a gospel proclamation, but their statement of faith, you know, reading it more times than not, it sounded solid, but it would be it was because they copy and paste for the most part, those type of things. But when it gets into how the gospel proclamation is presented really is revealing when it comes to some of these churches and ministries. Side note, if you are part of a church or part of a ministry, I highly encourage you to make sure a gospel proclamation is prominent on your website. More people would be exposed to that than what you ever would think or believe because just because someone is going to a known, solid, gospel-based church or ministry, it doesn't mean that that person coming to it or reading the, the information on your website doesn't mean that they're truly saved. So my first thing would be I highly encourage all of our brothers and sisters that are part of a church or have an influence with the church or ministry to encourage them to add that to their website. But in the course of going through Andy Stanley's information and on his websites, of all places, I came across something it was from the Gospel Coalition. Now, we're all very familiar with the Gospel Coalition and the road it's fell off and ditch it's fell off in over the last several years. But I just find it interesting that the Gospel Coalition, of all people, were slamming Andy Stanley's church and their non-gospel presentation, their, their lack of a gospel presentation, their lack of gospel preaching. I'm, I will not read the entire article, but one short paragraph that says, it is beyond bizarre that in North Point and other churches like it that they are predicated on reaching the lost. Every week you find not a steady dose of gospel, but a steady dose of how-tos, law basically, that not only, that not only can't save anyone, but can't even be carried out in a way that honors God unless until someone's heart is captured by the gospel. The Gospel Coalition wrote this about Andy Stanley's church. The Gospel Coalition, of all places, wrote this. Now think about that. Our, nor our regular listeners would be more than familiar with what I'm talking about, but just let that sink in for a minute. But going And, and that just reinforces what I found. The, the, the titles with the sermons and the videos were how to do this, how to do that, um, even a section that somewhat 
talks about faith is more or less a how-to book or a how-to list of things. It is nothing but completely seeker-sensitive, soaked, you know, modern church evangelism type thing. We've got to get them in the doors and hopefully get them interested in Christ. And this is the same model we see Andy Stanley is using even in this video. It's come as you are. We accept, and, and we're welcoming of everyone and everybody, and this gets back to things that you and I have discussed, discussed, Chris, about what the purpose of church is and who the church is for. And I know some people don't agree with things that we've said in the past, but this is a prime example of why the church is for Christians. It's not meant to be a door set mm -hmm. wide open to every thought and philosophy under the sun, bring in all these affirming or confirming or practicing homosexuals, let them mingle with our people and influence the people's thinking. No, we're supposed to guard against that. And Andy Stanley is letting the door stand wide open and allowing anyone and anything and every type of teaching under the sun to come into the doors of his supposed church with the hopes of maybe getting them interested in something Christ-related. Yeah. That would be the best example if he was doing that. Honestly, most of us have the opinion that he really doesn't care, and he's just trying to pad his pocketbook, for lack of a better way of putting it. But anyway, brother, I'm sorry. I kind of <laughs> got on a right, roll there, but no, no, right, no. I'm, going, I'm handing it back to you. No problem. No problem, brother. Everything you said was spot on, and I'm glad you did. So before we go a little too far, much further, I just want to point out that we, we made a point of addressing when he says, I know 1 Corinthians 6, Leviticus, I know Romans 1, I know the clobber passages. If you want to know what he's referring to, I'll put this in show notes. We did this back 2021, here it is. And we addressed a, a singing group by the name of Page 116, and some of you guys may or may not remember this. It was a group that when we were back on a different podcast back in the day, we had supported... And the singer of that group had come out as being publicly, uh, uh, you know, LGBT affirming. We felt as a duty to respond to that because we had once promote helped promote this individual, and now this person was contradicting scripture and saying that she's a Christian and you can be a Christian and be gay, just like we're hearing with Andy Stanley now. In that uh, episode, you know, we we took the time to go through scripture and talk about what. The Bible says about homosexuality. So I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to that. Um, if you did, haven't had it, listen to it already. What's interesting is that, as far as I can tell, is our most listened to episode. We we when we dropped it in June of 2021, according to Podbean, who we host through, it has been listened to that particular episode over 800 times. We occasionally, as you guys know, we'll do reruns. And so I'll copy it, reformat it as a new file, because it drives the Podbean tra tracking stuff absolutely crazy if we reload the same episode with the same title. So I have to reformat it just so it shows up as a separate episode. The, re uh, the rerun episode has been listened to over 500 times. So somewhere between 13 and 1400 times this episode has been listened to. I believe, as far as I can tell, it is our most listened to episode. Um, I want you to go back and listen to that because we do take time to go through those passages that Andy wants to dismiss as being the clobber passages. So please go back and listen to that. Now, 
there may be a tendency uh, of some folks to say, well, you're being very disingenuous. You're, you're not giving Andy a chance to speak for himself. He may mean something different. You guys are assuming what he says. Well, I want to clarify that for you. There is a pastor by the name of Ryan Visconti. He is the uh, a pastor at Generation Church, uh, Mesa, Awatuki, uh, Fountain Hills, Arizona. That's what his, his Twitter page says. Um, once upon a time, I would say a blue check means that means something. Um, blue check doesn't really mean anything anymore, but he's a blue check. So anyway, I'm going to read you just a few portions of a, a, a thread that he posted on Twitter after Adam Page's two-minute clip went viral. And I mean viral. I think last check was 1.3 or 1.5 million views. And I'll put that in the show notes so you can watch it. Adam Visconti says this uh, he as of January 25th. And since the last time I've looked at it, there is more information, which I'll share at the end in just a second. He says, on September 19th, 2019, I was invited to a private dinner with about 15 pastors at a local church in Gilbert, Arizona to participate in a Q uh, and a with Andy Stanley after he had finished speaking at a conference. The subject came, uh, of, of homosexuality came up. And over the next one and a half hours, Andy shared overtly heretical views that clearly contradict what the Word of God says. I was shocked to find myself arguing with Andy Stanley along with other pastors despite our respect for him. Andy Stanley uh, says homosexuality is, quote, really a disability, using the analogy that, quote, telling gay people that they, that they have to stop being gay to follow Christ is like taking a wheelchair away from a guy who can't walk, end quote. This yeah, rich rich is getting is is chomping at the bit here. Um, this right here verifies what we're saying. They are a fixed identity group. Okay. Continuing, he says, uh, Andy Stanley said, "I don't do gay weddings, but I can't say I would never do a gay wedding. If my granddaughter asked me someday, maybe I would." Worst of all, Andy Stanley said, "Quote." We need to make room for gay men who choose to be married to each other in our churches because that's as close as they can get to a New Testament framework marriage. Andy Stanley said, I believe in gay people. Some people are gay. They can't change. Directly contradicting 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, which is where my article, Such Were Some of You, comes from. He goes on to say that for a time he really didn't know whether he should share this information because it was a private Q&A. Didn't know if he should say uh, share this with anyone. And then the uh, Drive Conference in 2022 comes out. And as he says, as we noted in this talk, he never says gay homosexuality is a sin or that God can set gay people free or that gay people need to turn from their sinful lifestyles. Um and then in the following tweet, he says, in the uh, Drive 2022 talk, Andy essentially admits his tactic. He says, don't take people's church away from them unnecessarily. And I, and I do remember this. He goes on to explain that if a pastor comes out as, as op openly affirming homosexuality, then half the people have to, will have to leave their church. He claims that a pastor's job is to nudge and lead people, not to announce their new position. He says, we must be shrewd and cunning. There, that is absolutely true. In that same, and he shares the clips where he says this. So this is, a, and I'll share this thread uh, as part of the show notes as well. 
it is clear from Ryan Visconti's perspective that what we hear in that clip and in, in the further expanded 11-minute clip, that Andy Stanley is giving a specific perspective that a person is gay, it is a fixed identity, is unchangeable, therefore it is not sinful, therefore they do not have to repent of it, therefore, and he says, and I, it, this is true in this 10-minute passage, and again, re, watch the clips and, and Visconti's thread, you'll see it. He says, don't take people's church un, uh, away from them unnecessarily. In other words, if you were to come in and start saying, hey, we're just going to be a flat-out affirming church now, we're, you know, you're going to have all these people that went, that's not what I've believed before. And, and why are we suddenly doing this now? And now I can't be here. And now I don't have anywhere to go. And now he's what he's talking about is moving people, not in the direction of we need to ex uh, look at repentance and understanding what sin is. And, you know, like you're a new pastor coming into a church that maybe wasn't, didn't really have a sound biblical understanding of sin and and and, and salvation and repentance. So we're we're gonna start leading people in this direction and teaching them how to understand the Bible before we start laying down firm hard rules so that people you know uh, are are not shocked by things like actual church membership and church discipline. No, he's going the other direction. He's talking about leading them away. Remember, this is the Andy Stanley that says we need to unhitch from the Old Testament because it's full of contradictions and problems and it doesn't talk about evolution and it shouldn't it can't be taken literally and then he says the Bible is not a good starting place for people who don't you know don't believe in God or are just returning to the faith Andy is moving people away and so when he tells people in this uh, this uh, conference that you have to nudge them he's talking about nudging them away from what scripture says and, and again, he says that we're just trying to figure this whole thing out. And he asks the uh, cool gay people to be patient with us weird, confused Christians. So the thing that's added on at the end that I did not see until uh, just before we started recording. Um, oh, before I do that, remember I told you, you can't go find this clip. You can't go find this sermon. Why? According to Ryan Visconti, he says, Andy Stanley's team deleted the sermon, Session 4, from the Drive 20, uh, from Drive, Drive 22 from the Irresistible app where it was previously view viewable. And he shows a clip, or it shows a screenshot. He says, note at the bottom, the post has been deleted when I click on the sermon. This sermon has been removed. They know it's gotten out, and they are now in damage control mode. Okay? Now, since then, Ryan Visconti shares two other pastors who were there. Luke Simmons, who says, I was there and corroborate Ryan's recounting of the story. Also, Brian uh, Kruckenberg, I was there too. I have been considering a similar post. I remember it well. And I told my wife it was only a matter of time before he becomes uh, affirming. There is a massive difference between loving people and affirming sin. He says, none of us is without sin, but we can't celebrate it. And he further says, uh, this is 100% what we all felt. I can assure you that some pastors pushed back against it and it weren't swayed by Andy's status. There isn't, uh, there isn't, this isn't to elevate anyone, but there were guys who were openly, who openly rebuked his thinking. And again, he shares other text messages regarding this. The reason this is important is because there are people that when, when Adam Page shared this clip, lost their ever-loving minds. I mean, poor Adam was deluged with Andy Standy defenders, as long as along with LGBT defenders and everything else. So, why have we done all this buildup? 
why are, why are we taking time to go through this? And I know Rich has something to say here real quick. I want, I'm going to give it over to you in just one second. We want to establish what Andy said, that there was a context to what he said, and there is additional uh, uh, context from eyewitnesses who have listened to what Andy has taught. Andy Stanley, using one of the largest platforms of the even uh, of evangelicalism, is now pushing for full-on acceptance and affirmation of gay Christians. Please understand this. This is not to be misunderstood. This is a full push for gay Christianity. All right, and this is from one of the largest, most well-known Christian, so so-called Christian pastors in the nation. Please understand that. Rich, go ahead, brother. I just wanted to back up a moment and get you to clarify in that statement. What was he referring to when he was talking about being shrewd and cunning? Because either way that goes, that's implying being deceptive on purpose. And the portion before that about taking someone's church away, I, my understanding of the way that that read implied more along the lines of removing a pastor because of his stance on same sex, whatever. So, all right, let me let me find this. So here's I'll, I'll go ahead and play these two clips. So maybe it'll give context. When he says never take someone's church away from them unnecessarily in this clip, because I watched the whole 11 minute clip, he was telling them if you come in as a pastor and suddenly change everything about that church, that's not their church anymore, and you've you've unnecessarily forced people into a situation that they either have to jump on board with you or they have to leave. And so you've taken their church away from them if they have to leave. And so, and then he he talks about Jesus saying, well, you know, we have to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. He's saying, you got to be shrewd about how you do this, about shrewd about how you push this change. Um, Rich, unfortunately, will not hear this on his end because of the setup we have, but I'm going to play these two clips for you so you guys get the context. Hold on here. Pastors who get up and announce, you know, because this is, you know, this, you saw some of this, it doesn't happen much anymore because it's so ridiculous. Pastors got up and we're affirming, they got up and announced, we're affirming. And, you know, and then the next Sunday, half the congregation's gone. And it's the congregation is like, we are? I don't even know what that is. I, I, now I can't come back to my church. And why can't I come back to my church? Because we hired this bozo pastor and he just took my church away from me. Now, whether the person's right or wrong is irrelevant. Your pastors and your leaders don't take people's church away from them unnecessarily. Let me just keep my notes. Terrible leadership because they skipped discipleship, teaching, preparing, and nudging. They played the role of a prophet, not a pastor. You are not a prophet. You are a pastor, very different role. Prophets drop in and drop truth bombs, and then they get on their chariot and go to the next place and drop truth. That's not what we're doing. We are leading people. We are not pace setters. We're pastors and shepherds. Pastors set direction and they monitor the pace. They do not set the pace. Okay, so just understand that one right there. He gives the example. We had people coming into churches and going, we're affirming and people going, I don't even know what that means. And I I can't even go here now because I don't even believe that because we hired this bozo pastor. And he says, you're taking their church away from them unnecessarily. So you have to disciple them. 
You have to lead them. You have to nudge them. And he, and he makes the point of saying whether they were right or wrong is not the issue. Wait a minute. Yes, it is. That's a huge issue. Well, I will say this, that if a pastor is, is hired, if, if an individual is, a man is hired as a pastor of a church, and he goes through that church's vetting process, and it comes out that he affirms same-sex marriage, my question is, why haven't those individuals already left that church? Because they're not part of a true Bible-believing church to begin with. If the election or nominating or whatever committee name they have on it, if they're willing to hire an individual that supports same-sex marriage, they have problems. They had problems long before that new pastor was hired. Well, there's no question about that. But remember, most evangelical churches aren't looking for a biblical pastor. They're looking for somebody with a fresh vision. So, unfortunately, and I said this in my thread when this first came out, here's the thing. Andy Stanley is doing what is really the end result of seeker-friendly, church-growth-driven ideology. You go back... 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and we were doing these types of things. The churches in general had no problem affirming that marriage was between one man and one woman and that homosexuality and sexual immorality outside of marriage and all these things were sin. Why? Because generally speaking, the culture accepted that. So you could, you didn't have to address this in a seeker-friendly church because nobody was really running around going, hey, you got to be affirming because nobody really culturally accepted that yet, even though homosexuality was something that was present in our culture. Fast forward 20 more years. Now we start talking about things like, well, what about instead of marriage, they can have, you know, some sort of, civil union. Then we push it a little bit harder. No, it needs to be marriage. No, now you have to, everybody has to allow for that marriage. Now everybody has to celebrate that marriage. Now everybody has to bake the cake. Now everybody has to celebrate. Everybody has to affirm. How dare you? You're, you're, you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. What happened? Culture massively changed. Now, seeker-friendly churches, what do they talk about? They talk about felt needs. The, cha- the, the culture's felt needs rapidly changed inside of a couple of decades. And what happened? You now have to decide. Are you going to stand by Scripture, which Andy has said he will not, he's already unhitched from that, or are you going to go with the flow of culture? In which case, if your felt needs are now affirming what Scripture says is a sin, but you're going to affirm it as a good thing, as a virtue... Andy is saying you must affirm it as a virtue. And that is what is happening. And so you had you had all these churches. They didn't have to ask about whether or not you were an affirming pastor. There wasn't such a thing. Because you didn't have to do it. Now, now people are caught. You've got these church growth gurus who have said you got to beat the felt needs. You get this new pastor and he has a fresh vision. Let's do this. Oh, we're going to grow the church. And now suddenly culture changes. And now what do so you basic- do? So basically, Christ is wrong. Mm-hmm. The culture is right. Mm-hmm. There is no difference between light and darkness. They need to be mingled. Um, we need to let the wolves in with the sheep. We need yep. to embrace the goats. And I guess in a more practical way, 
if we turn on a light and roaches start to scatter, we need to turn the light back off so the roaches will be comfortable where they're at. And that's exactly it. So this is where he says that, you know, and you guys heard it in the first clip. This is where he says the pastor's job is to nudge and lead the people. Let me play this real quick. We think about this stuff all the time. So good leaders don't get up and announce change. Good leaders get up and they lead toward change. If you want to be an announcer, apply to be an announcer somewhere. That's not what we do. Our job is to lead, model, disciple, equip people to navigate cultural shifts in keeping with the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. Now you say, Andy, that sounds kind of dishonest and sneaky. No, it's not dishonest and sneaky. It's leadership and it's shrewd. Jesus said you're to be wise as serpents and shrewd, excuse me, wise serpents. You're supposed to be wise as, harmless as doves and shrewd as serpents. We get so harmless, we forget sometimes we need to be shrewd. We need to be more snake-like in the appropriate Jesus kind of way, which means when people need to begin shifting their thinking, you don't get up and announce, you disciple and you teach people. So there are people, People on the, when it comes to the LGBTQ community in our churches, right? There's some people that wanna drag us too fast and there are some people who wanna pull us back too hard. Welcome to leadership, welcome to pastoring. It's okay. And I'll stop right there. So what is he saying? He is taking Christ's teaching on, look, you're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, be wise in the way of the world and the way they do things but yet be harmless, don't be the way they are. And he says, no, he applies that to, well, you've got some people, they want to lead us too far, too fast, and they want to announce what we're going to be. That's not your job. Your job is to disciple in that direction, to lead and nudge in that direction. But you've got people who want to hold us back. Well, that's not, you can't do that either. You can't pull back and keep us in the dark, and you can't put, jerk us way out into the forward. You've got to slowly push them. He is telling this, these people that it is their job to lead them into affirming churches, but you got to do it right. So that's what Visconti's getting at. So, all right, let's let's put a big bow on this. Let's wrap this this all up because, uh, and, and I'm sitting here trying to move around, and I'm jerking out my headphones off out of my uh, out of my socket here. So bear with me. So let's wrap this up. Let's put a bow on it. Let's. Why did we spend? the last three quarters of the program, two thirds of the program, establishing not only what Stanley says, but what he's actually meaning with context. Because there is a problem here. Visconti says it, a lot of other people identify it. The Bible, however, is the thing that's most concerning. The issue is what Andy Stanley is talking about is affirming people in unrepentant sin and saying you are a Christian and not only can you serve, not only can I preach to you as if you are a Christian and not address your unrepentant sin, I also now have to put you on a pedestal as someone of great faith that everybody else should then emulate. This is absolutely contradictory to the gospel. This is completely foreign to scripture. Okay? You got to remember, as Christians, what are we? We are sinners saved by grace. Okay? We are at war with God through wicked works. Our nature is to sin and rebel against God. We deserve condemnation. You know, Andy Stanley don't like talking about this, but that's what we deserve. We deserve the wrath of God for our sins. 
Yet Christ in his grace, in his kindness, in his mercy, comes to earth, takes on human flesh, lives a sinless life in thought, word, and deed, then goes to the cross to be what? Our propitiatory sacrifice. Look at Romans 3, 21 through 26. He dies in the place of sinners. This is something that Andy Stanley and others absolutely hate. Penal substitutionary atonement. Dies in the place of sinners, taking upon himself the, the wrath of God that we deserve. And then goes to the tomb, is, is buried, rises on the third day, defeating sin and death. Now, those who trust in him, who turn from their sin and tr- trust in him by faith, are redeemed and receive his righteousness. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are made new, 2 Corinthians 5.17, new heart, new desires. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, when you profess faith in the completed work of Christ, you are redeemed. And it's by no work of your own. You can't, you can't be saved by your own works. We are slaves to sin. The wages of our sin is death. Romans 6, 20-23. See, if we, if, it was, if we remain in our sins, Habakkuk 1.13 tells us that God can't look on sin. He has to, he has to judge it. The free gift of salvation is God's work in sinful man apart from works so we can't boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. In fact, that same passage tells us that even faith is a gift from God. So we are called by Christ to repent, which means turn from our sins, trust in Christ alone, in his completed work for the forgiveness of sins. It says that in Matthew 3, uh, 3 uh, 2, Mark 1, 4, uh, 14 through 15. We are to repent and we are to trust in him alone. Repentance from sin, it's, it's a command from God himself. Go to, uh, or excuse me, the ability to repent, by the way, is also a gift from God. That's in 2 Timothy 2, 5, 2 25. That's a command to all of us who are in Christ. We are commanded, we are told to change our minds, which then leads to a change of action. It means we agree with God, that we are in rebellion to Him, that we deserve uh, condemnation, when, and we are turning from it. It is a mark of continual repentance. Paul tells the Romans in chapter, er, tells Romans in chapter 6 that we ought not to, we are to no longer live in those sins. Okay, how can how can we who are redeemed from our sins continue to live in them? He says. So our lives, though we are redeemed by Christ by grace through faith, which is a gift of God, apart from works, we are then commanded to be in a continual lifestyle of repentance. Jesus says that we, you know, uh, that believers will persevere until the end. We per- persevere in temptations, in trials, in tribulations. Matthew twenty-four. 
We will persevere until the end and continual life of repentance. By the way, I, I write all this out in the article. So, you know, if you're wondering, how does he know all these verses? When I sat down, I, I, I wrote them all out. We are to be a people who are turned away from the things of this world and turning in continual repentance so that we be more like our Savior. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And as a result of that, we continue to try to live and do the good works which he prepared beforehand as a testimony. He prepared these good works for us beforehand. So when you're doing good works, guess what? Who, who, who gets the glory for that? God. Ephesians 2.10. Your repentance, your good works, all of it a testimony to the transformation of who you once were into what you now are. Andy Stanley says, oh, no, that's an identity. That's who they are. It's fixed. It doesn't change. Christ says, you were hardened, rock-hard rebel against, against me. I have redeemed you. I've given you new life, new creation, new heart, new desires. And your life from that day forward becomes a testimony to his saving grace. This idea, this ludicrous idea where we can redefine what scripture has said or in Andy Stanley's case, deny what scripture has said and claim that you can be not only not only be in unrepentant sin, but actually ascribe an adjective to your identity of Christian by saying, I'm a gay Christian, I'm an LGBT Christian, I'm a, uh, I'm a queer Christian. This goes back to what Rich was saying earlier. That's like saying I'm a porn star Christian. That's like saying I'm a, a murderer Christian. I'm a thief Christian. All of those are ridiculous. They're ludicrous. You would never say that. You could never, if somebody says, I'm an abusive husband Christian, stop and think about what that means. You are living in an unrepentant lifestyle of physical abuse against your spouse and you want to be called a Christian? Of course we would say it's ludicrous. Of course we would say it's ridiculous. We would never, I would love to see Andy Stanley stand up and say, I have these abusive Christian husbands that are volunteers in my church. Are you nuts? The church would, that whole conference would have screamed at him. But we have bought into, the professing church, I should say, has bought into this ideology that a person's identity is this unchangeable, fixed truth and that it can never change. And therefore, whatever the word of God said, it doesn't mean that because we now know today. That's an unchangeable fixed identity and it cannot change. So therefore, it cannot mean that. And that person is therefore a Christian. They worship God, they worship Jesus, and they're serving in the church and they have greater faith because they show up because you bigots would ostracize them, but they still show up. That's insanity. That is defiance against the word of God. 
if you have someone who has come to you and says, I am willfully rejecting the word of God and living in an unrepentant lifestyle of sin, but you're going to call me a Christian, the greatest loving act you can do is tell them the truth. No, you're not. This is not to say that Christians are perfect and we never sin. Of course we do. But that's why the Bible is constantly teaching us about repentance. That we are to turn from our sins. And why Paul, after he spends half a book telling you all the blessings in Christ that we have, now live like it. As he says in the second half of each book, he will establish the beauty of the gospel over and over again in his epistles, and then say, now do this because of it. Why? Because you are changed. You are new. You are a creation of God. You have been redeemed. You have a new heart, new desires. So live this way because you've been equipped to and you've been freed from sin. Andy Stanley does not love the people in his congregation. Andy Stanley loves Andy Stanley. He loves his place, his platform, and he loves the applause that he gets by stepping up and saying, it doesn't matter if you're living in rebellion to God, I'm going to call you a Christian. It is not loving to call people to take a sin and ascribe it as an identity and then attach it to the name of Christ. To say, I'm a gay Christian? The sin for which he died? You're going to be that and yet be a Christian? You can't. Any more than... If I, if I came out tomorrow and I said, you know what, I've lied to people all along. I've been in a, you know, a, an adulterous man. I've cheated on my wife for years and yet I'm still a Christian. Every one of you should rightly condemn me. Every one of you should rightly rebuke me. Every one of you should demand the program be taken down and I'd be put under discipline by my church. How dare I take the idea of a sin that God, Christ, had to die for, that the Father punished him in my place for, and then say, but that's what I'll be identified as. It is a blasphemy to take that adjective and describe your Christianity with it. I'll finish this with the last paragraph of the article I put out the other day. Woe to those professing pastors, Christians, and churches who preach not the true gospel. You reveal yourselves not to fear God, but man. And if you continue on this path, you will prove that you never belonged to Christ to begin with. Repent of the fear, man. Do not accept the lies of this world. Rather, trust in the power of the Holy Spirit alone and His redeeming work in the life of believers. To do anything less is to blaspheme the Lord you claim to follow. And you may one day be standing before Him as He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's Matthew 7.23. If we tell people they can remain in a fixed identity, 
that is a rebellion against God by Scripture. And that all they need to do is all these self-help topics. Number one, we've lied to them. Number two, we've blasphemed the work of Jesus Christ. But number three, and worst of all, we have denied the power of the Holy Spirit. We have denied that he can do anything he pleases to do. And if he pleases to take an unrepentant sinner, redeem them through the preaching of the gospel, indwell them and make them new, then he can overcome any sin. It may take a lifetime, but he can do that because that is his choice and his sovereign will to do so. And for you, Andy Stanley or any other pastor, to deny the power of the Holy Spirit, to say, nope, they can't change. How dare you blaspheme God? That is wicked. That is evil. And that is paving the road to hell with a comfy carpet to, for the, to ease their calloused feet. I got on my soapbox. Sorry. Folks, this... I cannot emphasize this. Rich and I cannot emphasize this enough. We are at a time when people like Andy Stanley will be elevated, and they are being elevated as the true Christians. And they are hucksters. They're selling snake oil. But it soothes the flesh. And so they're being elevated as Christians. Ryan Visconti, that 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 tweet thread and those who support him, that's going to cost him. You think Andy Stanley's not going to come back swinging? You think the, the big evangelical machine isn't going to come out swinging on this one? Oh, you're going to be sure they will. Will you stand? Will you stand, pastor, and teach in your pulpit Repentance from sin? Will you stand, mom and dad, and teach your children who are told every day they have to, well, you, they, need, they need to understand that pro, you know, they need to live by people's pronouns. Will you teach them the word of God and say, stand here and do not move? Will you stand, sir, when you are told in your workplace you will celebrate Pride Day because we all will or you will lose your job? Will you stand church when the persecution for the moral good comes? Or will you scatter? Andy Stanley and people like him will be lifted up as the true church by the world. Will you stand and say, no, they're not? Will you be like Joshua and say, if it's good for you to worship the uh, idols of this world you, or worship God, you decide, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? We got to do this, folks. Souls are dependent on this. We got to preach the truth. We absolutely got to preach the truth. 
went a little long. That's mostly my fault because we started with the, the law enforcement thing. So that gave us an extra 15 minutes. We probably could have dedicated elsewhere. I appreciate your guys' patience. Rich, any last things before we let everybody go tonight? Whatever you just, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever you do this week, make sure to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Appreciate the patience. We've been trying to tighten up the the um, the time frame on these. This one went a little bit long, but I think there was a lot that we had to cover to kind of establish context, and I think it was necessary. Um, I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope it encourages you because it's crazy to stand and watch this stuff happening. And, and I confess that there are times I feel hopeless. I'm like, how are we going to over overcome this? But I don't have to feel hopeless. We have Christ. And he has said that no ma servant is greater than his master. If they, hated, if they hate you, they hated me first. We will face condemnation. We will face persecution. We will face an angry world. But God against an angry world is a majority. And we've got Christ. Stand firm. Stand strong. Be joyful in the Lord. Preach the truth. And as my brother said... Preach the biblical way of salvation to somebody this week. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.